Welcome to Souls and Hearts, Be With the Word. I am Dr. Jerry Creed, a licensed marriage and family therapist in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm excited to be with you today and especially excited to be with my co-host. I'm Dr. Peter Melanoski, clinical psychologist here in Indianapolis, Indiana, the crossroads of America. It is so good to be here with you, Dr. Jerry, and with our audience. It is a blessing and a privilege. Yes, I can't tell you how how nice it is to be with you, and I feel like I've had a stressful week, but I know you <laughs> too, and yeah, we can land here and really delve into these readings, and believe it or not, I think these readings have a lot to say. For oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, <laughs> we are. They're so rich this week, ladies and gentlemen. They are so rich this week. I'm really looking forward to the, uh, to the, to the discussion, and this is episode 41 from the 22nd Sunday of Ordinary Time. Yes, yes. And Dr. Peter, you're leading the the main core discussion and the title that we came up with was really intriguing. I think it's intriguing. See in 3D by renewing your mind. So I can't wait to get into that. And I know you've got a really cool action item that comes out of that too. Yep. Yep. It is. So, so that's, that's, I want to start right here with with these these readings all seem so interwoven to me but i'm curious for you dr jerry when you wait wait just sorry my fault want to remind everyone if you haven't listened to oh yeah 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 go over to hear the word which is on youtube and apple and spotify and and listen or go read it on your own it's fine too of course but you're gonna want to read these preferably but we'll go over some of them so you'll probably catch on but yeah, and it's like like you said, it's on YouTube, it's on Apple, Google Play, all of that. Hear the word uh, and listen to these readings for the twenty second Sunday of Ordinary Time. It's gonna it's gonna really enrich the it's gonna really enrich your experience of this podcast. So that would ask me something that sounded really interesting. No, yes. Yeah. So I so these readings, I know you read through them. Yeah. Um, what leapt out at you? What what like grabbed you in some sense? Jeremiah. Jeremiah. All of it, all of it, because there's so much there, and uh, and I know there's the big rebuke of Peter by uh, right. by, by our Lord, but honestly, I feel like I'm reading this for the first time. I know I've read this before, but when he said, "You duped me, O Lord," and I let myself be duped, <laughs> oh my gosh, that that actually, I mean, that sounds strange, but that spoke to me. There have been times when I have can honestly say I've been really I guess, angry at God, or there's a part of me that was super angry at God. Right. And I just, you know, I've, I've, I've been frustrated. And even, honestly, this, this is going to sound funny, but I mean, I love my children and they have all grown up. And I can remember uh, at times the fact that they're all moved out, right? So I have, you know, you still have little ones, right. but I, I, uh, my wife and I are empty nesters. Right. And, and I can remember when the last one left um, and they were, it was this feeling of God, you are so cruel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it was yeah. like, you made me love these creatures with my whole heart. And I wasn't a perfect father or anything, but I love them. And now they're gone. Not and enough. now it's like, I'm supposed to just kind of go on. And of course, <laughs> not really gone. I still interact right. with them. Right. All this. But it was just this feeling of, God, your love is cruel. Like your love is um, painful. Painful. 
Yeah. Um, no, it isn't truly cruel. I know that he isn't right. really cruel, but it's just the sentiment. It feels that way, right? That's that whole God image thing. That's what Jeremiah is saying. It feels that way. I mean, what I love about Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, is that he just gives you a window into his experience. There's no, there's no covering over anything. There's no dressing anything up, you know, for public consumption. There's no curating his image on social media. He just gives it to you, you know, and. And here, I mean, my sense is that he's um, being attacked, obviously, by people, right? Like they're they're turning against him because of his faith, right? right? I'm sure it's all of our experience, too, at different times where we feel like, hey, I gave my life to you, Lord, or I've dedicated this, this maybe it's a job or maybe it's some mission or something, and to have egg thrown at you. Right, <laughs> right. It's difficult. Yeah, it's not even that Jeremiah is, uh, you know, is is not succeeding in the converting, you know, the people. It's that he's being rebuked, mocked. He just got out of the stocks, right? They had him in the stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really interesting when you go to that first line, and it's translated in the NAB, the New American Bible, as, you know, you duped me. I think it's, yeah, you duped me, O Lord, and I let myself be duped. But if you go back to the Latin, look at the Latin, and it says, seduxisti me, domine. At seductusum, it really means you seduced me, Lord, and I was seduced. Right? There's this enticing, this 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 sort of leading on. It's not just that you tricked me or you duped me, but it's that you led me on, you drew me in, you enticed me, you seduced me, and I let myself be seduced. And so it's 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 almost like you know. And then the next line, he says. Um, you were too strong for me and you triumphed, right? There's almost like this element of you just dominated me, right? You took advantage of that seduction and dominated me. There's this hint of it. It's very earthy if you actually get back into the, the original languages. So yeah, it's not just that you tricked me, but it's like you led me on, you drew me in. And how many times do people, for example, when a vocation to the priesthood or religious life doesn't work out, you know, I mean, whoa. You know, you can feel just like this. But I've even heard, I've even, because I work with clergy, religious, um, and so on, and I've heard um, really good priests, like, who are really committed, struggle with this very thing. So it's a human, it's a normal human response. And and in the face of God, that, that is, I mean, worth at least allowing out. Like, that was my thought, was, wow, Jeremiah lets those, he even said right. those things. He said like, them. Some part of me is like, are we allowed to say that? <laughs> you know, are you strike or am I a bad Christian if I right. say to God? But he's crying out. And help me understand, Dr. Peter, do you read this the same way I do in that, in Jeremiah, in that third chapter, it says, I say to myself, I will not mention him. I will speak his name no more. So to me, he's speaking to God, right? He's saying, I'm done with you, God. But then... But then it be, he's literally, but then it becomes like fire, fire. art imprisoned right. in my bones. Right. And right. I grow weary holding it in. So he can't help it. He can't help it. So here's the, here's, yeah, here's the distinction, right? It's two dimensions versus three dimensions, right? This is what we were kind of getting at in the title. Like, if you just look at this from a human perspective, like God is like mistreating me. He's, he's, you know, he's taking advantage of me. He's, he's tricking me. Um, but 
Jeremiah and God have this relationship that Jeremiah feels in his bones, right? It's like a fire within him, right? God is deep in his in his soul. And so Jeremiah knows that he can't just let this go. He's trying, right? He's saying to himself, right? I don't think he even says it's to God. He says, I say to myself, I will not mention him. I will speak in his name no more. I'm no longer going to be his mouthpiece. I'm not going to be his prophet anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. But the but the 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 what this shows is that Jeremiah has a deep faith that in spite of all of his trials, his tribulations, all of the challenges and obstacles that he faces in his ministry, God is continuing to draw him on. And why does God do that? Because God knows that Jeremiah can handle that level of demand. Right. So so there's this relationship anyway, like, you know, God is deep under his skin and it's it's and it illustrates the tension that we face. Right. Because our vision is 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 um, is compromised. Right. We see us through a glass darkly, says St. Paul. Right. And that's what Jeremiah is struggling with. I mean, I think of things very sometimes on a very human level, like a day to day level, like like I'll put I'll put this put it this way. I could be doing all this work that I believe is for God or ultimately for his kingdom and good work or whatever. And then something happens, like I get a flat tire or, you know, a, you know, a credit card, you know, was rejected because it expired and then they cut off your power. <laughs> then, uh, right. And then I could immediately on a human level go to, why is God letting this happen, happen to me? Yeah. And, I'm going to throw everything away. Why do I do anything at all? And it becomes this whole turmoil and all this anxiety kind of shows up. And, and I guess what you're saying is there's looking at it from, with different vision, there might actually be something that comes out of that that is important. Yeah. That's, that's the huge challenge for us too, because if you look at, um, if you look at, St. Paul, we go to the second reading of Romans chapter 12. He says, do not conform yourselves to this age, right? And he's talking about the worldliness, right? In Rome at, in the first century, right? Do not conform yourself to the, to the, to the age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Why? Why should we be transformed by the renewal of our mind? Well, St. Paul tells us that you may discern what is the will of God, so St. Paul is telling us that we've got to transform our minds in order to discern the will of God. It's not going to come just as a function of our own human effort, our own natural reasoning. I think one of the reasons why Christ came at the moment in history that he came in, because he could have come at any moment in history and in any place, but he came into the world when Greeks, the Greeks philosophers had done about as as much as you could do with human reason alone in terms of philosophy. And he came at a time when the Romans had gone about as far as you could go with law, you know, in, 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 in a civil sense, right? So, so you've reached the capacity, you've reached the limits of human ability unaided by divine revelation. And so now St. Paul is telling us, we've got to renew our minds in order to discern the will of God. And there's a number of psychological factors that get in the way of that. There's a number of things that happen psychologically that make it make that difficult for us. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's interesting. I've never heard it explained quite that way. Like that was the reason why Jesus came at that time was the culmination of the Greek and Roman. 
So that that's interesting. Um, so tell me about those psychological factors. What is the so I, I think a lot about vision, right? And one of my favorite prayers is very short, straight from the scripture, but it's the prayer of Bartimaeus. And he goes, Domine ut vidium, you know, which in translation means, Lord, that I may see, right? Blind Bartimaeus, Jesus is passing by. He calls out, Lord, that I may see. And this is the thing that I think very much distinguishes clients of mine that get better quickly from clients who don't is do they see in that third dimension? Do they see from a providential uh, perspective? Can they, can they make the effort to look at their situation through that lens rather than defaulting to mere human vision, right? Rather than defaulting to the wisdom of our age, right? Which is ready to feed us with all kinds of uh, false information and interpretations about where God is. That's the number one thing. You know, that's that's fascinating. And you know what? I wonder if that ties will help me anyway, tie up these two readings and take us to the gospel, because here's the thing. Um, I felt like there's a process, right? Like when I read Jeremiah saying what he says, you duped me, Lord, and he's crying. He's literally mm-hmm. crying mm-hmm. out to God and that we need to do that that there's an emotional piece that sometimes, you know what I mean? Like my tire goes out or whatever. And I just need to say, God, why? And I need to go through something. Right. Right. Only to come out the other side, basically Jeremiah says, but you're in my bones and I have to turn to you. And then we even see in the, in these beautiful, this beautiful responsorial song where he basically is basically saying, my soul clings fast to you. Your right hand upholds me. You are my help. In the shadow of your wings, I will shout for joy. So there's a surrender that happens there with God. And so we go through a, you know, angry at God, whatever, into a surrender. But, and then we see that leads to this renewal. But that's not what happens to Peter. I think. Not, yeah, now that's right. He he tries to prevent the harm from happening. It's so interesting in the gospel because just five verses before Jesus rebukes him, right, and says, get behind me, Satan. Just five verses before that, Peter proclaims that Jesus is the, the Messiah, the Son of God, Christ, the Son of the living God, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus' response, and this is just a few verses before, is that, you know, blessed are you, Simon, uh, because, you know, you've... You, the father basically has shown you this. This is not just your own vision, right? So Peter's vision is like spot on. And he's got the courage to, to profess that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's the Christ, that he's the son of God. And that was the fruit of Peter discerning, right? That was, G, that was, that was Peter looking at this in three dimensions, through the eyes of faith, through the eyes of God's providential love, right? But then the contrast comes right back in 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 verse twenty three, when um, when uh, when Peter says because Jesus is talking about how he's going to have to die on the cross, you know how he's going to be how he's going to be um, uh, suffer greatly from the elders. He's going to be killed, right? right? Peter doesn't want him to suffer. Doesn't want any of that. I want that to happen to you, Lord. No, and from a natural perspective, that could look like you know. Yeah human affection, right? I mean, it's just, it's just, we wouldn't want any, any kind of harm like that to happen. 
But Jesus knows that if it doesn't happen, then the redemption doesn't happen, right? The redemption of mankind doesn't happen. And so mm-hmm. he comes down really strong, you know, and because Peter says, God forbid, Lord, no such thing should ever happen to you. And he goes to Peter and this is like the harshest language, right? Get behind me, Satan, right? To refer to Peter as Satan is really strong. And he says, you are not thinking as God does, but as human beings do. You're not thinking as God does, but in, as human beings do. So the way I'm thinking about that is, not thinking as God does three dimensions, right? Except as human beings, but as human beings do two dimensions, right? You've lost that, the spiritual dimension. You've lost that spiritual depth. It's understandable, right? But yeah, it's hard. It's a hard saying from Jesus, right? That must've just whacked Peter like right upside the head, like a two by four, right? Yeah. It feels a little brutal, but you know, especially just after this, this huge blessing, but, but it does make sense. And, you know, when you're saying that, it's occurring to me. I just had a conversation with somebody over coffee this morning, and it was one of those things where they asked me a little bit about my background and even talking about trauma. And I can remember saying, and they were like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that when I was sharing a little bit of my trauma history. And then I said, but you know what? I think God used it for good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, you could say that from a human perspective. Like I was so far removed from a feel bad for myself place in that conversation that it was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's true. That is, thank you for saying that. But God used it for good. Right. And that's, I think, seeing with that 3D vision, right? With seeing with that 3D vision, right. And, you know, and so the, the difference here is a couple of differences. One is that, you know, Peter is in front of the other apostles. Jesus has to make a strong statement so that this doesn't, like, you know, have a pernicious effect on the other apostles. Um, and so, you know, there's that strength in the in the nature of the response. But I also think he's really driving home that point that I'm bringing you a revealed religion. You need to listen to me. Like, I, I'm God. Don't contradict you know, what's what, what I'm saying, you've just pronounced that I'm the son of God just five verses earlier. Yeah. So you've got to listen to me. You cannot rely on your own reason, on your own perspective. You have got to become smaller, childlike. You've got to entrust, you know, yourself to me, confidence in me. And that's really hard for us to do if our security is to navigate by our own light you know, to navigate by our own wits. If that's what you learned how to do, like if that's what you learned, like kept you safe, was navigating by your own wits, being smarter, quicker, you know, more perceptive, whatever, it actually makes it harder. What? Yeah, which is what we all do. Which is what we do. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm notorious for that. I, I am a man of strong opinions. I have learned to rely on my own, on my own, uh, yeah. on my own perceptions and my own vision. We've seen some of that in souls and hearts, you know, just sort of well, navigating and we lead that. I, so. I have had to be Mr. Independent. Like I learned yeah. to be independent and to get things done on my own. I think you have too. Yeah. Um, and he says, take up my, your cross and follow me and whoever, um, wishes to save his life will lose it. That's a hard saying to me. Well, they know what he means. They're talking about crucifixion, which is the 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 the, the punishment that the Romans reserved for the worst cases. I mean, this like worst case scenario is to wind up dying on a cross, and it's not just the physical agony of it; it's the ignominy of it. You know, it's the it's the shame associated. That was designed to shame you 
you know, and the worst possible way to be nailed naked on a cross, yeah. you know? Wow. So we have to, in a way, yeah, we all experience shame. We all experience, we want to avoid pain. We want to avoid suffering. We want to do things on our own and we want to avoid shame. And yeah. in this message is saying, that's a very human perspective. And somehow we have to transcend that. And I feel like between Jeremiah and Saint and the response and St. Paul, they're just right. kind of showing you the path. Right. Yeah, you can say what you need to say and process as a human, but then you have to turn your heart and cling to God and surrender. Right. Well, and it helps to work through our aversion to being shamed, right? Like, because that is a real limiting factor. So if you happen to have a trauma history, or if you just happen to have the sort of normal, you know, experience the normal trials and tribulations of, you know, of life, and shame is, a, you know, something that we naturally want to avoid, our Lord is saying, I mean, to Jeremiah, for example, Jeremiah experienced shame in spades, you know, he's coming out of the stockade, he's been laughed at, the butt of jokes, ridiculed, treat, mistreated. You know, if we're going to live out the, the Christian message and we don't address on a human level the, uh, the hold that shame has on us, you know, that it, it, it creates to help to have us avoid things. It's not just so that we feel better. I don't recommend that we work through these issues at a natural level just because we want to, you know, we want to have an experience in therapy. Like it's some sort of psychological day spa, you know, where you put the little cucumbers in your eyes and your therapist tells you that you're wonderful and you just feel better. It's not like that. It's about getting ready. It's about really being free from these human impediments, like needing to avoid being shamed in order to uh, be able to carry out the gospel, to, to bring the gospel to people, to tolerate, you know, mm -hmm. to tolerate the, the, uh, the, the, the criticisms and the, and the shaming of others. I feel like we have a misconception that life, we're, we're supposed to do stuff to make our life perfectly comfortable. And I don't know that our lives will ever be perfectly comfortable. Instead, we have to find meaning in, uh, in the things that are sometimes really, really difficult because they have, there is a greater purpose or there is not always, I mean, some things are just going to be difficult. I don't know, but, but, but in fact, getting comfortable with the fact that this is going to be a bumpy ride. It's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> well, we're guaranteed that. I mean, it's told us right in today's gospel, right? You know, um, that whoever wants to come after me has, you know, has to deny himself, take up his cross and and follow me, right? To take up our cross, right? To voluntarily pick it up, not just be unwillingly nailed to it, but to actually pick it up, to embrace it, to, uh, to hold it close. There's a lot of work that has to be done on a natural level to be able to do that. I have had a number of clients come in over the years who have wanted to die to self, who have wanted to pick up their crosses, who wanted big crosses, you know, but there was a lot of work to do to be able on a natural level to be able to do that because grace perfects nature, right? We need to have grace in order to carry our crosses. That grace has to perfect our nature. And so there are going to be on a human level, any number of, um, of psychological impediments or psychological hindrances, stumbling blocks, Right. Um, because that's an interesting thing. The stumbling block, you know, in, in this translation, it says, um, you know, Jesus says to, uh, to 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 Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. Right. You are an obstacle to me. That's that's like lame translation, I think. Just not that I'm well versed in, in translating all these things, but some some translations call it a hindrance. If you go back to the Greek, the Greek is skandalon 
which really means like a stumbling stone. It means a, um, a stumbling block or a stumbling stone. And it's so interesting because that comes just a few verses after, you know, Peter being the rock upon which Christ is going to build his church, right? So he's gone from being the rock, the foundation, to a stumbling stone, right? Because of this lack of vision, because he's gone from three-dimensional vision to two-dimensional vision. That's how important this is. And these translations miss that because they're busy trying to transliterate rather than actually um, trying to give us what they think the meaning is, rather than give us the actual the actual like color here. And that's why it's good to read a lot of different translations and to actually take a look at some of the underlying, uh, some of the underlying more literal uh, meanings of these words, because yeah, there's a play on words here. Um, I I mean, that's powerful, but you know what I, I, what you, what you just said hit me is just how often we go from thinking we're the bomb, (laughs) you know, on the floor, you know, (laughs) literally that's Peter here, right? Like, One minute he is, like you said, the rock, right, built upon which the church is built, and the next he's a stumbling block in the way. Well, think about what might have happened to Peter. Let's do a little thought experiment. Like you've just been praised to high heaven by the Son of God, all right? You've just been promoted to the highest position on earth, the vicar of Christ, okay? It's possible that there might have been some ego inflation. Right. There's possible that there might have been some pride coming in. It's possible that Peter is now like feeling it, you know, and like, you know, he's going to start asserting some of this authority with Christ himself. Right. So, you know, in the rough and tumble world and the rough and tumble, the rough and tumble era that they were in to, 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 to bring Peter down to size, you know, really quickly may have been really that was really important to Jesus. I mean, if yeah. that whole was playing out that way, uh, that quick rebuke, right, within basically the same exchange um, may have been a real lesson in humility, really, for right. for him, but for all of us. If, if Peter can be humbled, then we all need to on some level and really think, you know, but, but see, that's what's hard is that what he said to Jesus feels like it was a nice thing on a human. It was level. a nice thing. That's the yeah. thing. That word "nice" has, <laughs> has bothered me for a long time. It's derived from a 12th century French word that means stupid. Um, if you actually go back to its origin, to call somebody nice in in French in the 12th to 14th century was an insult. Oh, it was okay. an insult, and over time, that word has changed in its meaning. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so because why? But to be nice is to grant grant another person what's gratifying or what they want, right? And that's different than being good. Being good is is granting them what they need, mm-hmm. and that uh, that's a whole different ball game. That might be gratifying or it might be frustrating. And we know because Jesus is without sin, understands everything perfectly. That Peter needed this kind of rebuke. And the other thing is that he could take it. Peter was made out of the kind of stuff that could take a rebuke like this. I think sometimes we get a little edgy because we'll be like, I don't know that I could handle that, you know? And it may be that you can't and Jesus isn't going to treat you that way, right? You know, he's actually customizing the way that he works with everyone, including Peter, including the woman at the well, including, you know, the woman caught in the act of adultery, including, you know, the Pharisees in the way that is optimally, uh, optimally designed or tailored to help them, to help them the most. 
Yeah. Can I mention something? It's a little jumping around. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like I just sort of wanted to throw it in there. And it's back to Romans. Yeah. And he says, offer you, and I think it relates, of course, but offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And I know we jumped ahead to the renewal of the mind, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I did think it was worth mentioning that that's a powerful thing because especially for both of us, both doing EMDR and trauma right. work, like the fact that we're to offer our bodies, because like you said, the Greeks would have been more seeing the body as like material matter as negative and the spirit being such a higher thing. And, and here, this isn't the case, like the spirit body and the spirit are united, right? They're united Christian, Christian perspective. And, and he's literally saying your bodies are to be offered as well, not just right. your, your soul um, and holy and pleasing to God, your spiritual worship. So I guess when I think of my anxiety, like, for example, the example I was giving earlier about, you know, car tire blows or something like that, and it throws me off and I feel like angry at God and anxious, you know, like there's a sense in which like I might feel anxiety in my chest or I might be tense or, you know, those kind of reactions. And, and really I feel like St. Paul here is saying, offer your body, Body. not just giving your mind up intellectually or something to God. It's your whole person whole person body mind heart and soul right i keep going back to those four things it's all of them because god wants to love us all we are embodied beings and so if we leave our body out of the equation that's going to be a huge part of us that's missing right if we leave our heart out of it and it's just a dry intellectual exercise you know it's just a conceptual abstraction thing that's not going to be complete either right we can't just be our emotions either it's got to be all of us Right on, right on. You just said something that reminded me of another thing I wanted to point out. <laughs> Souls and hearts is Jeremiah, but then it becomes, and I think we mentioned it before, but I want to really highlight it. But then it becomes like fire burning in right. my heart. Right. That's how embedded right. God is in Jeremiah's. Even, and even when he's having a bad day, it looks like he is. <laughs> he just got out of the <laughs> being tortured or whatever. That's fine. It's really bad. But, you know, but it's still like a fire burning in my heart, imprisoned, imprisoned in my bones is un- unbelievable imagery. Right. Um, and I just think, what does it mean? Is that not seeing things differently? Is that really seeing how God is active in my life, even when things are horrible and rough and I'm experiencing anxiety? There's going to be times where we have to hold on to that third dimension by the grace of faith, right? Because in this moment, Jeremiah is not seeing it. He's not able to like wrap his mind around God's designs for him in this moment, but he's holding on to it at a deeper level. He's holding on to it at the level of faith. And so, you know, he makes an affirmation in God's goodness. He continues his ministry, right? And that's all a huge credit to him to be able to move forward with this, even when we can't see it. Because our human vision, I'm just be really frank with you, is unreliable. How many times have each of you out in the audience looked at somebody whose human vision has failed? They're seeing something in, in a, an entirely distorted light. That happens all the time. That happens all the time. And so it's when our vision is supplemented by grace by the grace of faith that we see things more as God sees them. Right. Yeah. So 
Dr. Peter, what's your action item to help make so that? So we happen? we're gonna we're gonna do an action item here, and I need you to have. Right, so this is not something that you're gonna do. This is not something you're gonna do like as we speak, right? But I want you to get like a a pad of paper, a tablet. Um, like a tablet in the old days, right? When I was young, right? Which had pieces of paper on it, not some electronic gizmo thing. Did but you have an advocate too? <laughs> I actually do. I actually do have an advocate. Um, but, but yeah, tablet or three pieces of paper, okay? And and I'm going to invite you, like you were talking about, uh, you gave the example of a tire blowing out. It could be another example, something that really troubles you, some problem that you're having, right? And on the first sheet of paper, the one on the top, I'm going to ask you to just write down like what comes to mind spontaneously about it, right? Just, just like, just where are you with that right now? How are you making sense of it? Where's God in it? You know, blah, blah, blah. Just kind of, blah, right? kind of just sort of vomit it all out there under that first piece of paper, right? Then you set that piece of paper to the side. Then the second piece of paper, you know, you start to look at this situation but invoking and seeking that third dimension. You're now going to start to look at this through the eyes of faith, all right? You're going to ask for faith to come into you. You're going to ask to be enlightened, right? You're going to ask, you're going to pray the prayer of blind Bartimaeus, Lord, that I may see, right? And now as you enter into that phase, you write down the perceptions again, right? Write down the perceptions about that event, about that situation, about that trial that you're experiencing, whatever it is, could be a, a, a thing that just happened or it could be a longstanding thing, um, whatever is troubling you, and you're writing it from that perspective. Now, all right, so there should, we want to see if there's some, some shifting between that first and second page, but the third page is where the magic really happens, all right? And this is where you let God write it down, right? This is where you really only write down, not the product of your thoughts, right? Because we don't know how influenced that's going to be by the two-dimensional thinking, right? It's two-dimensional vision. But now you're just, you're just really like creating a space for God to tell you whatever he wants to tell you. And when I do this sort of thing, I usually switch pen colors. I have a purple pen that I use when I'm like really wanting to write down what I think God is saying. And then I have an aqua colored pen when I, when I write down what I think our lady is saying. And, you know, there could be some things that are wrong about this. There's no guarantee that this, um, that this is going to be perfectly, um, it's going to be a perfect translation. But the point of the exercise is to enter into how God sees it. So the prayer here is asking God, how does he see the situation? And then really listening. And it may take some time to get this third page um, filled out. It may take some time. You can talk to Our Lady if, if, if you want to talk to your guardian angel or some, some saint, St. Joseph, St. Teresa of Lisieux, you know, your patron saint. But, and I have different colors that I do this in, you know, but I mean, to really listen. The important thing is to get into the habit of seeking this third dimension, seeking this depth of vision, right? And noticing also what's getting in your way, what memories are coming up, what grievances, what axes do you have to grind, what kinds of, you know, experiences are coming up, what kinds of emotions are getting up. You can keep track of those too, 
because those might be really helpful for you to, again, bring to God. You know, I'm, I'm having trouble hearing you, God, because I'm just so angry. Or I'm having trouble hearing you. I'm having trouble engaging with this because I'm feeling hopeless. Or whatever is getting in the way so that you can begin to recognize that as, as an obstacle, an obstacle in the natural realm. So wow. three pieces of paper. The first is just where you are right now, you know, as you, as you, as you struggle with this thing. The second is when you begin kind of just trying to pray and then seeing what comes to you in your thought processes, see how your thought processes improve. And then we take it a one more level, which is where it's really listening in this receptive mode to what God is saying, to what our Lord is saying, to what Mary is saying, to what St. Teresa of Lisieux or St. Joseph is saying to you about this particular situation. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. Yeah. And then let us know if you want to, you, you can certainly uh, let us know through the website. Um, you could also email me at crisis at souls and hearts.com. You know, just, just really engage with this. It's amazing. If you create the space, if you invite God in, in this way, it's amazing the kinds of things that can happen. It sounds really simple. Most of the exercises we offer here on, um, on, on, on be with the word are not complicated. Um, they're just, uh, they're really simple, but they create that space for God to be really, to really work, to really speak to us. Yeah. Nice. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. And yeah, we do look forward to hearing any, you know, how this works and what, what, what you're finding in your life. And I would say if you want to get more interactive with, uh, with Dr. Peter, especially in this case is to join the resilient Catholic community. Yeah, we are we are we do this kind of stuff all the time in the Resilient Catholics Carpe Diem community. That's built up around the Coronavirus Crisis Carpe Diem podcast that I do weekly. We've just gone through a whole series on 14 different problematic God images. These are the things that we know God to be in our bones, but that are all distorted, come from our experiences. So there's been about eight uh, episodes over the last eight weeks. We've gone through a huge series on God image where uh, we've also gotten into uh, our images of Mary, how those develop, um, and how we need to get into relationship with them to correct those God images. It's kind of where we're going to be going in the future with that. There's a whole community of folks that are growing up that are helping each other through this kind of thing called the Resilient Catholics Carpe Diem community. You can check that out at soulsandhearts.com. Uh, up in the all, all Courses and Shows tab, you can click on that. It's uh, free for the first 30 days, 25 bucks a month after that. There's all kinds of extra benefits that come with it. So you can check that out. And then I was also on um, I was also on uh, a podcast called The Color of Light with Adam Cross, mm -hmm. who's a therapist uh, in Southern California, and we were getting into scrupulosity. Right? We were really talking about scrupulosity and yeah. what the what the roots of that are, and we're not just looking at it from the symptom level perspective, but going all the way back to God images and how those impact scrupulosity. So. Uh, he was good enough to, to invite me on and he didn't regret it, which was glad to hear. And we had a great conversation. And so that's, that came out uh, just last Thursday. And that's also on our guest appearances uh, page on our website. Uh, and it's also uh, on Spotify. It's on YouTube. The Color of Light's on YouTube. That's a YouTube show. So I look forward to hearing that. Yeah. So. You've got so many good things coming your way. Join us. Please, if you haven't signed up on soulsandhearts.com, subscribe so that you can definitely yeah, get those email cool. updates. And um, yeah, and you know, there's also a course called Be Called, you know, Discovering Living Out Your Vocation, where a lot of these obstacles to seeing that third dimension, because mm -hmm. I'll tell you, this stuff really gets in the way of vocational discernment. And Dr. Glafke and you 
dear Dr. Jerry, uh, do an excellent job in that one as well. So check that out. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, listen, I think we got to wrap up, right? Yep. I think we're done for today. Yeah. It's been fun getting into these readings with you. We hope you got a lot out of them. We love hearing from you. And I know there've been a few people, I've gotten a few messages from people saying they listen to us on the way to church or they have now, and people are going back to church by and large a lot and getting a lot out of it and then having a post-church discussion. So uh, we're thrilled to hear that some people are doing that. So all right, but so Nate, we'll be looking forward to seeing you again next week. Until then, be still. Believe. Be loved. Be loved. Take good care. God bless you all.